Hello, everyone. Uh, we're here for another episode of the Online Selling Partner pad- Podcast, and today I have my good friend Aaron uh, here joining us. Aaron, introduce yourself. Uh, uh, thanks, Isaiah. So I am just a newbie uh, because at, when I was Isaiah's ripe age, I had no experience and it had nothing going for me. So Isaiah's way ahead of me. That's all I can say about myself. No, okay. So, uh, I mean, I don't know. Zulai Kitchen, you can see it in the background. That's our brand. You know, we did over... Uh, well, we did over $70 million in sales last year. Uh, started the brand in 2015. We now acquire brands. We have a software called Samurai Seller. Um, what else do we do? Uh, we have a fund. We raise money from accredited investors only, right? This is not an offer, but like uh, we put money into digital real estate so people can continue to own brands. And, and digital real estate is the most valuable real estate that exists today because land has already been like, People have been jumping on physical land for so long that it's already very highly valued, right? Digital real estate is not yet, people do not yet understand its value. Don't understand that when you're in the top of some searches, that search will continue to grow as the population grows and as digital um, proliferation increases. So these spots on Amazon, on Google, on whatever, they have appreciation value just like real physical land. And so we're actually helping people acquire these brands and sharing on those profits in a big way and that's nexus capital um i mean i don't know what to say that's that's what i do and uh we're in the top 100 sellers by unit sold according to sellerratings.com and uh my name is aaron cordova i got three kids i'm married 10 years married and uh yeah heard so far out of the intro (laughs) yeah and and i know because i personally know aaron and his kids and his wife which, you know, he's an awesome dad and an awesome family guy. And what's amazing is that you've been able to build this build this huge Amazon empire in the kitchen space along with, um, you know, your your wife and her working right, right with you. And I think I just admire, uh, you know, your story. So um, do you want to, like, quickly uh, get into your story of how, you know, you started from nothing to now you're a major brand in the kitchen space on Amazon, um, over 12 million products sold. And what is it like almost getting close to hundred million a year in revenue? It's crazy. Yeah. 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 Getting close. We're, we're not there. Uh, so I mean, look, the story, uh, I guess I've said it a few times, but man, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you, it's the type of business this is, it is so non-discriminatory, mm-hmm. meaning the customer does not know your race, your religion, your height, if you're fat, if you're skinny, if you're healthy, if you're old, if you're young. Like, I don't know. Amazon does not discriminate at all. And so it actually levels the playing field because, look, there are biases that exist in the world, right? Like, when you go to do business, anybody, there are some biases. Whether you think you have them or not, people judge People will judge you either you're too young, you're too old, your skin's too dark, your skin's too light, your skin, what I don't know. You're going to get judged. On Amazon, all that gets deleted, okay? Right? And, and we have a mutual friend that you introduced, okay? Collins, the guy is, what, 19 years old, and he's already sold over $10 million, okay? The guy's $10 million a year. $10 million a year, okay? It's yeah. ridiculous, okay? Now, why? Normally, people are like, let's say you're Samsung or you're LG or you're some company, you're going to go do some business contract and some dude shows up who's 19 years old 
okay? Uh, and it's like, yeah, let me get this big account, whatever. They might be like, who the hell are you? And there might be this, like, friction, right? But through an email, it says, hey, this is my store. This is the company I represent. This is how we're going to order our first purchase order. We're going to put you on Amazon, whatever. And they just look at the site, look at the sub digitally, and the guy's in major business where otherwise he would have been possibly discriminated. Similar story to me, right? When I went to go and do business, I'm like this kid, right? I started and, you know, How I could hardly get a job. Um, you know, Zulai Kitchen, you know, we started that. I was 25, but I had started, you know, earlier looking for jobs, looking for this stuff. I think I was 25, right? Yeah, 2015. Yeah, I was, I was 25, but earlier, you know, 24, 23, trying to start a business, you know, talking to people. And they look at you as like this kid. Right, I was looking at this, you know, programming. A lot of times in programming, kind of younger people do get good jobs and whatnot. But you kind of looked at this newbie. You're, you know, you have like this this stigma, like this guy doesn't know what he's doing. He has no experience, blah, blah, blah. You know, you need 10 years of experience to even try to get this job. So for me, it was a way to enter in a market that I would have the same chance as anybody else, right? And it was a roll of the dice. I'd failed at Amazon affiliate marketing. I'd failed at SEO. Uh, I'd failed at like, you know, niche, niche sites, uh, a bunch of stuff I had not been good at. And I don't know. I gave Amazon a shot. And in, in my thought was this, okay, and originally when starting it, you look at the page of Amazon to start your own brand, right? How do you make a brand? You have yeah. to figure out what does it stand for, right? What? is your brand like why do you exist and i thought there are so many products where you can have the same exact product as someone else right if you get a yeah. stool your stool might look identical to everybody else's and if yours looks identical you're actually not bringing anything to the market and so i looked at a bunch of products right like 20 different products uh and i thought where could i innovate where could i bring some value into this market not just like try to be a parasite and a leech and take value away yeah. And our first product was the lemon squeezer. It was a two-in-one lemon squeezer. The item is patented. It's not our patent. Okay, we're currently licensing that patent. However, that item for me was the best. And it was number 20 on Amazon. Someone was representing that type of product, right? Even the patent owner is like way over on like page two. And they weren't representing it correctly. You couldn't see that it was so visibly better. And I thought, if I sell this product, I can show people why it's amazing. I'll get it to the top and everybody's purchase experience on Amazon looking for this product will be better. That was my mission. Fill so, the gap and show people how to find the best product. So at this time, was OXO or some other large brands creating the same product? No, no, no. So um, I'll talk about the patent for a little bit. So the patent owner is a company called Lifetime Brands. It's publicly traded. Okay. And they have a brand called Amco. And in fact, in retail, these products have a life cycle, okay? And the, that Amco squeezer was two-in-one. It was a different model. It's a little uglier, in my opinion, right? Yeah. That had its life cycle in around 2007. From 2007 yeah. to 2010, it had a huge boom in sales in retail. Yeah. And in retail, these products go through a life cycle, right? It's not like Amazon where you kind of can just continue to grow sales over and over. Yeah. That had its run. It did very well, and then it died. And that's no longer a product that they were pushing. So it was ah. out there, and it was not getting a lot of sales. And it's kind of like, um, uh, I don't know, an ugly stepchild. Like, they stopped paying attention to it, and it's over. But it had had a big run, okay? People did like it, but it got, it got superseded, okay? Now, mm -hmm. when I came in, 
I looked and I saw there was another model that's using that kind of patent that they had revised that was not exactly taking off. It was like, again, position 16 or 20 from another brand, a tiny brand. Yeah. Right? And I don't know. The reviews were pretty good, but somehow the top seller was not OXO. OXO, I think, had number fourth position. Number one was a brand called Bellamain. Uh, the company is called Perellas. Mm-hmm. Um, they were number one. They had 3,400 reviews right before we even started. And I just didn't like it. I thought this thing is not very good. The OXO one is horrible. I, I tested like 10 different items. OXO has some great products. This was not one of them. I mean, I, I, I think it was the worst performing out of all of them. It is a horrible model. It's not unique. It doesn't represent their brand. It's actually a detraction from OXO's brand because OXO, a lot of times, they make unique things. It's not a unique one. You find mm-hmm. it you know, off the shelf on Alibaba, wherever, very easily, and it's one of the worst performing models. So unfortunately, or fortunately for me, OXO had a very poor model of lemon scooter they still do that's still the one they sell and i feel bad for people who buy them i, I hate that model so so when, why yeah how did you see the white space because i mean obviously to me like if i was getting into uh, uh something to sell on amazon i'd yeah. be like lemon squeezers would be like the last thing that i would <laughs> like, i mean there's probably you know, like you know there's already been a million people who did lemon squeezers you know in my mind right of course you yeah know, yeah big brands who make lemon squeezers and everything, but you as an entrepreneur, you went in and maybe you knew what you were doing, but maybe you didn't really know what you were doing. I had no idea. I had no idea. But so how do you find the hole, right? Here's the example I like to give, right? Where's a place that's very, very hard to innovate is for example, a thing like yoga balls. Okay. Because all yoga balls are pretty much the exact same. They all are the same looking model. So like, if you're like, hey, how can I come into this market? They're all the people on the top page. They already have like 20 colors. There's already small. There's already big. Yeah. What are you going to do to a ball? They're like the ball is the same yoga ball. To go into the market for you to stand out, it's very, very difficult. And so in, in my last, in my list of like my top contenders, one of them was like the bear claws uh, for like salad, like salad claws, right? Yeah. You like kind of mix the salad. And when I looked at that, it had a good, it had like somewhat low reviews. The competition were kind of ugly, like the listings. I knew I could go in there, but I thought, how do I stand out? And I couldn't. I, I couldn't think of a way at that moment. They all look the same. You know, they're all the same. They all do this. Like it looks, they're all about identical. So it's very hard to get into a market when the whole market looks the same. However, on lemon squeezers, there was so many different models on page one, which is very rare. Like, it's unusual. Normally, some model leads the way and everybody kind of conforms to it, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, again, like in yoga ball or like the meat claws or, or salad claws or whatever. Some In some categories, everybody looks the same. So yeah. how are you going to stand out? It's very hard. In this category, I saw there was so many different models, right? There was like, there's one made out of zinc alloy and there's various like three models that way. Um, there's the uh, aluminum cast, which is the one that I eventually went with. And that, that was a single bowl. There was like the lime squeeze. It was smaller. There's a big one, orange. There was a two in one. Then there was stainless steel. And then in stainless steel, they had the one with the handle, without the handle, large, big. Like there's a lot of different types. So for me, I said, hey, here people are not stuck to one type of model. And there's still a battle going on to kind of consolidate the space. And I thought, I need to show people which one they should buy. I mean, again, that was the hole that I saw. The market yeah. looks so different. And and then now I think... You know, is lemon squeezer still your best seller? I mean, what did you kind of morph into after you know you that had it was a great product? Now I know you guys have all kinds of products. So what what what? Tell us a little bit about 
these these other products and the product development of, of getting testing and trying and, and mm -hmm. finding that white space and where you're at today. I know you sell a lot of milk frothers and stuff, but yeah, 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 that's right. How, so how you, yeah, I'll tell you the evolution. Um, again, we're just winging it, right? Like yeah. <laughs> even now, we're we're doing a whole reorganization currently now to actually specialize more in certain categories and make the best products because that's that was the foundation. The foundation was like we are going to make the best one of this type. In fact, I, I do believe our lemon skizzer is the best and we have lines of lemon skizzer. We have the number one bestseller and we have the number three bestseller and we have like the number five bestseller and we have like the number seven bestseller, something like that. Like in the top 10, we have like four of them. And that's where you double down on something that's good and make it very good. And we've had times where we'll make a product that is not the best and it might not do so well, right? Mm. And that's where it comes specializing is always good. So right now we're we're doubling down in that citrus line. We're doubling down in the milk frother line. We're doubling down the coffee machines. Like some of our ones that have been really good that we've made something unique. Mm -hmm. um, but at that time, I wasn't thinking too much like that. So the very first like second wave of products, uh, we did a measuring spoons uh, set. And I remember there was this one review, like someone was holding the measuring spoons and it was like brown sugar and the brown sugar was all tilted. Like the spoon <laughs> totally bent, right? And I was like, oh, God. And that one, after we got that review in, like, everything started going downhill. It did sell out, but then it got bad reviews and it started selling slowly. We didn't actually do anything special on that product. I just thought, hey, let's add more items. Uh, another one was a knife sharpener. This was our second batch was four products, right? It was a knife sharpener. We actually did a milk frother, believe it or not. It was, I think, uh, maybe a cutting board set. Oh, I, I, no, a can opener. Uh, hmm. So, knife sharpener, <laughs> uh, can opener, um, uh, measuring spoons, and milk frother, okay? That was the second wave, and it was crazy because they all sold out immediately. This is, you know, 2016, and that time for me, I believe it was pretty easy to sell. I mean, I was selling, and I and I really didn't know much about selling at all. Mm -hmm. But unfortunately, those products didn't go through the same love and care to actually make sure they were the best. I just kind of took something off the shelf and put it up. And in fact, yeah. while they all sold out, none of them are profitable today, except maybe the can opener. And even well, that, I mean, it's like, father, right? well, no, but check this out. Oh. Let me explain. The Milk Father sold out and it was crazy. We did four colors. We went crazy, but I couldn't find a good model. Ah. Um, the best model, the one that was up there, I couldn't find it anywhere. So we just did whatever one we could find. It was very hard to find the Milk Father um, on Alibaba at that time. And the model was terrible. I got like 3.5 stars. Once the reviews came in, the product died. And mm. I thought, man, this is such a waste. I, if I could only find this one item. The next year, I ended up going to China and finding the supplier in China. Um, actually, you can't source from that supplier. It's an exclusive. We have exclusive with them. You cannot actually... We're, we're the only person who can make them. That's why the milk frother, the Zulai milk frothers are the best because we've done the motor over like I think seven times. Like every time we upgrade it, upgrade it, upgrade it. We have a big partnership being announced soon, which I'm not going to talk about. But like we are by far like leading that space. And it's because we found a partner to grow with and to make the best frother out there. Now, until that was done, we had bombed. Because on Amazon, you can't. Amazon forces you to change or quit. You're either going to change or quit. Because if you do a product that's not good and you're trying to extract value or somehow not really care about that end product, the reviews will show hey, this product is not good and you're going to get kicked off the market. You're going to lose the sales and you're going to have to quit. So you have to figure out and it forces you to do the hard work to make a great product because only great products can make it long term on Amazon. And so with that trip to China, that was the beginning of our kind of new phase. And currently right now, the Milk Frother is our best seller, although it's 
Um, I don't know if it'll stay that way for the next couple of years. We have some other ones that are coming in really quickly, and uh, it's it's been it's been, it's been amazing. It's been amazing the whole ride. And the lemon squeezer, we still have the number one bestseller lemon squeezer, but that is no longer a bestseller because the volume is just so much larger on other products. So my question is, what did these other brands, these other milk frother brands? I mean, I know Instapot they had a milk frother and stuff. What did they do wrong that? Mm. You were able to come in and say, hey, I found the hole and I was able to take market share from them. Like, what did they do wrong? I mean, what could have they done if they were thinking so, like an entrepreneur? What could have they done to to keep their market share on Amazon? I, I would say um, instant brands. Okay, they did file for bankruptcy right about a month ago. And we were interested. We actually wanted to put a bid in. And I think we might have put a bid in. But I, I that's way too big. It's way too big for me. And I can't disclose the numbers, but it was too big. Okay, that's really um, it, it's large. It, it's massive. Yeah. The the thing is massive, and and um, it's too. It, we can't. Okay, so they did not exist with a milk frother when I entered the market. So it's not someone I can compare with. Okay, or let's but they're not into they're not into battery powered appliances. I believe the instant brands they're all doing plug in. So they went the plug in like the pot milk frother, mm. and theirs is okay. Um, it has like I think. I don't know, four stars on Amazon. It's not like really massively good, but people buy it because of the brand. Okay. Mm. Um, they didn't do anything wrong. They're, they're not in our category. They're actually in the, only in the frother and warmer and they, and they do pretty decent there. Although I don't know if they have any margins as they're, you know, going yeah. bankrupt. I, I, I can't, I can't say, uh, I can't speak on that, but the market would existed mm. similar to the lemon scooter. I said, I need to go in this market and change it. Okay. Where mm. you really have defining moments as a brand is when you either create the category or morph the category, accelerate the category into another direction. When you're mm. that leader, you know, you have, um, what do you call them? You have tailwinds, right? You're going in a direction and this, this momentum takes you. Mm. And so that happened with the milk father because we actually created the entire category of colors. When we entered, there were no brands with colors. Everybody just had black. And so when I went in, my very first order had four different colors and we put it in that main image. Um, and if you notice now, we created this main image where the frothers are like all shown in that beginning. Yeah. Everybody has it now. All the top sellers do it. Everybody copies us. You know, there's been a consolidation where now the top front page looks kind of the same, but it's the one that we created. We created that model. We have more colors than everybody. We, we started that way. We got that bestseller badge and it took people about a year, year and a half to add colors like we did. But we really morphed that category because we saw, man, these things are nice. They look good and people should have options. And online, you have unlimited shelf space. You can add 100 colors. That's acceptable. In a retail store, you can't. So even if people carried stuff in the retail stores, you're not going to be able to get like a cotton candy pink in the store. You're not going to be able to get like a two-tone color, like a midnight purple to black yeah. blend. Like you're not going to get that right in the store because they have limited shelf space. So really, the only place you could buy it was from us and on Amazon. And so we created a big following that way. We made the product last longer. We made it better. We have instructional videos. We have social media. We have so much stuff around the product that like yeah. we really created and led the category. And that's why we had successes because, again, it's the hole. What hole can you find in that market? And I thought, well, selection. There's no selection. And again, after we had major success, everybody followed. And then now we need to figure out, you know, the next, we are. But like, what is the next hole? What is the next creation? Because as you see, Apple releases a phone every year. They don't like rest on their laurels. Hey, we, we created the smartphone. No, no. 
If they had iPhone 1, they'd already be dead, right? If they didn't continue improving it. Obviously, you did all the success without using Amazon Vendor Central. This was just through Vendor Central and their tools. You and me both know that historically, Vendor Central had way more tools to, to sellers than Seller Central. Now we see that kind of coming together where yep. Seller Central is actually getting more tools than Vendor Central in a, in a, lot, of, in a lot of ways. Um, yes. But, yeah, <laughs> which is really awesome. Um, but yes, yeah, talk a little bit about like like the differences between a lot of these uh, brands that have been around for 20, 30 years. They're just, they're, they're selling to Amazon. They're relying on Amazon to, to represent their brand. And, mm -hmm. and they're getting demolished by entrepreneurs that are coming yep. in and uh, that are really focusing on, on the market share. And like you said, looking at the category and, 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 and finding that white space and just dominating. Um, so, you know, Talking about the differences between Seller Central, Vendor Central, and the mindset behind that, you know, what is your thoughts? I would say I've only heard rumors, okay? I haven't spoken to anybody who's at Amazon, but I've heard, and this may be false, but I don't know, that's what I heard from some Amazon person or whatever, that they knew somebody at Amazon. And they have, let's say, one brand manager, right? Like a Vendor <laughs> Central manager person. And that one person might have, like, many hundreds of accounts okay mm. so if you can imagine you have one guy you mm. have a job whatever salary they might be making 150,000 200,000 100,000 500,000 I have no idea okay but they're they're trusted by Amazon they go here he goes here's 500 brands now how much can one person give love to 500 brands it, it it's impossible and there's or an 80 even if, that, ten, even if they had even if they had even if they had 10 even if they had 10 uh maybe even one okay but here's yeah. here's how it ends up working or what i've what i've heard there's an 80 20 rule where mm -hmm. they have quotas right they have to like hit numbers and if you're a brand and you're selling like five hundred thousand dollars a year on amazon on vendor you mm -hmm. will have pretty much zero representation because yeah. for them to double your account it moves five hundred thousand dollars a year that person's gonna have no impact so those managers Right. If you're a top 1% of brands, you could get love from the Amazon rep because if you're at 10 million a year, 20 million a year, for mm. you to get from 20 million to 30 million, that's possible, right? A 50% growth, you can do that. And that growth is 10 million. They'd have to do, they'd have to triple, quadruple like 20 brands to get that, right? Mm. So they focus on the top, top accounts. And those guys get love and they might have their you know page redesign they might have a plus content or ebc made for them and they could have special deals and this but if you're not one of those top like one percent top two percent brands on vendor my understanding is that you basically get taken off to the side and people are not going to work on your account that's what i heard and i i don't know how it could not be true right there's no way amazon staff can handle all the brands that are in vendor central it's just impossible now do you get other tools yes but those tools are changing Back in 2016, I want to say. No, no. 2017, I got into a program called Vendor Express. Were you around? Did you know about Vendor Express? Nope. <laughs> Let me explain to you. Because there was Vendor Central, Seller Central, and then there was a thing called Vendor Express. Okay. Now, Vendor Express was different because you don't actually have a Vendor Central account. Okay. <laughs> You just would get in on Amazon marketing services, like on the campaign manager, there was this AMS section, right? 
And somewhere in there, like you put like express.vend... I even forgot the URL, okay? The name might even be wrong. Vendor Expedia. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it was Vendor Express. So you'd go in and there was a hack, okay? So oh, oh. here, this is, this is what we did in 2017. And, and someone showed us how to do this. At that time, to get sponsored display ads, okay? To be able to do any sponsored display, you had to be in vendor. Yeah, because okay? you got access to Amazon marketing services, right? And that was a special campaign manager that had Spencer display, even sponsored brands. I want to say only were, yeah, it was sponsored brands as well. Sponsored brands, sponsored display, if they existed, those types of ads were only available to vendors <laughs> and vendor express. Okay. That was ah. a big trick. So I remember I sold a ball of yarn. So I, I created a vendor, uh, a vendor express account <laughs> and I created a SKU called the ball of yarn. Okay. And uh, with no brand name. And I said, okay, Amazon, buy my ball of yarn for me. Okay. It was like, buy it for a dollar. And I had it listed for like $20 on Seller Center or something. And so Amazon made an offer. They're like, we'll buy it from you for a dollar and uh, one cent or something. And I said, okay, accept. And once you had an approved PO from Vendor Express, they lay you into the Amazon marketing services platform. So once that PO, they're like, hey, here, we're going to pay you for it. Which again, the product had no sales, no velocity, nothing. Like they just made the freaking PO and I never even fulfilled it. But as soon as that happened, I got access to Amazon marketing services. This 2017. And so then I was able to run a sponsor display and like these headline ads, all this different stuff. And I was like, this is amazing. We got the hack. And this went around the seller community. And a lot of people did a similar thing. Okay. Because how could you not allow brands uh, on Seller Central to run sponsor display and, and headline ads? It was crazy. So when you did this trick, you got in. And again, now it's different. Now, as you're saying, there's a lot of things that sellers get that haven't even been released to vendor, right? Vendor, Vine program used to cost, what, 10000 5000 3000 I forgot the price. But like the same exact Vine as you see it today that sellers get for $300, that used to cost like $10,000. And I think then I brought it down to five and then down to three. Again, I, I never paid for that, but like I did see it because I had access to a vendor account once and I looked at it and it said like, I think it was $3,000, but I think it had already gone down. So anyway... Uh, that was a little trick, Vendor Express. I, you didn't know that, so. <laughs> That's a pretty good one. And and I think that just opens, you know, just so many discussions of there's, if you're not in the Amazon every single day and it's just something you're trusting Amazon to take care of, you will be eaten up by other entrepreneurs that will just eat your lunch because they're in it every day. They know what's going on. They're trying to figure out all the hacks. They're trying to figure out how to gain market share, what keywords to go after, and all of, all of these things. And you're really not because you're focused on retail. You're focused on whatever else, you know. And so I think uh, I think hopefully this opens up people's eyes to say, like, hey, you need to start thinking like an entrepreneur. <laughs> like if you're going to really win on Amazon, you have to you have to think like Aaron. Uh, we got AI. It's AI. It's uh, Aaron Intelligence. <laughs> Aaron Intelligence. Yes. Got to use AI. <laughs> got to use some AI. And it, I think it's I think it's so uh, so important that that people do this. Um. So I, I had somebody on my podcast uh, not too long ago that that said that they were uh, it was Maloof. They were talking about they used to work at Maloof and it was a huge betting company. And they were doing like a hundred million on Amazon, and Amazon forced them to have the entire catalog on Vendor Central in 2019 or 18 or something like wow. that. Wow! They literally strong armed them and said, "You have to, or we're kicking you off of Amazon." So it was uh, 
pretty interesting. So my question to you, Aaron, is if Amazon ever came to you and forced you to go out to Vendor Central, um, what would you do? Are you like... Well, prepared? they wouldn't do it. So I'll tell you how it worked. Was this Maloof, were they on vendor and seller? Yes, hybrid. Okay, so here's what happens, okay? The but only way they... Huge let me brand. explain. I know, but the only way they can force you, and so there's a... <laughs> and I've gone into this because I've talked to some, some people. Yeah. Yes, Amazon does that, but you know how they force you? They say, if you don't move everything to vendor, we're going to shut off your vendor. Ah. That's so if, you're, if you can drop your vendor and you can say, I don't care about vendor, then they can ah. never force you. I mean, maybe they can. Of course, Amazon can do whatever they want. It's a privately traded company. Like, I mean, sorry, it's a private, uh, it's a public company, but it's like a private corporation. Yeah, yeah. So in theory, they can kick you off for no reason. Again, we all have that kind of ability um, to uh, that can happen. But if you follow all the rules, like mm. Amazon is a very sane company like they will listen to appeals there's a lot of things you can do there's lawsuits whatever like you could defend yourself right if you haven't done anything wrong so follow the terms of service you know anything that could could be a problem just don't do it but the way they force you onto vendor they, if you search very deep and this is what the vendor uh, agents like to use there is a policy in vendor okay and it has to do with retail okay and and it's it, again, it's not really used, and you have to dig for it. I'll have to see if I can pull up the screenshot or like if that page still exists. But it's literally like a one-liner. Okay, it's like a policy, like Ven Amazon's expectation with retail vendors or something. And they say for vendors or something like that. And, and I'm paraphrasing because I don't remember the exact wording. We expect vendors to provide all items that they sell in retail to mm -hmm. vendor. We expect, right? It's basically, if you're selling it in the stores, you must sell it on Amazon. That's kind of the, the, the inference, not inference. That's exactly what they say on that page. And so what happens if they have a product that's in a store and it's not on Amazon, or in this case, it's in the store and on Seller Central, they can say, hey, we are expecting that item to be on vendor according to this little URL. And they find the URL and like, cause it's hidden. It's uh -huh. like in some secret spot. And they're like, check out this, this terms of service. You're not, if you don't offer that item, you are violating the terms of service of Amazon. This one line that exists. If you dig deep. So give us that item. I and see. then if you don't, your vendor account is, will be shut down that your seller will, your seller won't be shut down because that's not a requirement in the seller central guidelines, mm -hmm. right? That's not a, a, a requirement for seller central. That is a requirement for vendor central. And so again, if you're going to go down the road of doing these hybrids, you have to, you have to be ready that yes, that can happen. They can tell you, Hey, you have to offer us this stuff for vendor. And if, or you can say, good, we're not in compliance with vendor if they threaten you. And I don't know anybody that's actually like when you get threatened, I think it's only been for brands that actually cannot lose their vendor. So I think when they get threatened, nobody says, Hey, I'll call your bluff and let's see if you're actually going to shut us down. I don't know anybody that's gone that route, right? I've mm -hmm. only known of the people that they get threatened and they say, okay, fine. We'll bring everything to vendor. And I know that route. So I think people only use that threat and I don't know what an SOP is at Amazon. And if that's an SOP or if it's one person trying to get a bonus, I don't know why or how that happens, but that's, it's based on this policy that they have for vendors that they expect you to give the items to Amazon. Yeah, but I, I think that's it's interesting, you know, an interesting conversation. And but I think at the end of the day, Seller Central, in my opinion, is uh is getting more powerful. And as as long as you have that in your back pocket, you know, who knows what's going to happen to your vendor? You should definitely have Seller Central in your back pocket to uh, at the very least 
um, in case something happens. Yeah, and by the way, what people do too is, and they they the hybrid that some people try, and you may you may have heard of this, is like you're on vendor, but let's say you have to control the price on some items, right? The I would say the biggest downfall of vendor is you cannot control the price Amazon is going to sell it at. Correct. That Correct. is the biggest downfall, right? So inflation happens, your costs go up fifty percent, thirty percent. So I don't know, something occurs, you can't just increase your price. Amazon be like, no, we're not going to buy it. This is the price you're paying. Now, sometimes that can be a benefit. Like if you're, if you, it's a product that the shipping is very high, Amazon. Sometimes they'll pay you more than seller, okay? And especially if it's a big product, yeah. Um, or 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 a cheap product. A lot of times that fulfillment fee, yeah, yeah, you can get paid more. But by and large, their prices. I think you have a normally a bit of a less margin unless you're in these like special categories where Amazon is like taking a loss on it. Otherwise, mm -hmm. you can control your price. And so what some people do on on or some brands do is that they'll offer those products to people like yourself, right? Online selling partner, Isaiah, and they'll be like, hey, you're going to sell this product on seller for us because yeah. they can't have a hybrid program because they'll get strong armed. But if it's through a distributor of some sort, Amazon will not go to the distributor and be like, hey, we're going to shut down your seller central. But yeah. what can happen is, of course, they say, hey, you're selling this to a distributor. You also need to sell it to us. So that skew might have vendor and then a distributor because Amazon might want to, you know, might tell them you have to offer it to us. So again, that could happen, but this hybrid sometimes includes distributors um, or, or you know partners to to sell that product, and and that is a type of approach that some people take. Yeah, and that always uh, you know we've seen high success in that. I mean, we have several customers that do the hybrid model, or they'll transition their their vendor sigil to to us or whatever. But yeah, oh, with the other option too. Look, if you're getting strong armed, be like, check it out. All these vendor things are going to be shut down by Amazon. Get those products and send them to Isaiah, and Isaiah will represent yeah. you better than Amazon, right? I mean, yep. like, and that's the truth. Like, like yep. you'll list on those same ASINs. They're not going to shut down the ASINs. They don't delete ASINs. They're just going to stop buying. But if you get right. someone else to buy instead of you, then maybe you can try to call Amazon's bluff. Um, yeah, hey. for sure. And I, I do know that we can beat Vendor Central support, Vendor Central sales. We can beat Vendor Central all day long, every day, because we provide more service. I mean, we're, we're going to be focused on the listings, make them better and, you know, anytime. Um, but I also see that, you know, sometimes it makes sense for people to, to be on vendor and, and, um, and, or have a hybrid model because like, it wouldn't make sense for you to sell me a, a product with a price point under $10, right. Or yep. sell me a mattress that, you know, is huge and for, and I'm going to try to sell it for 50 bucks or whatever, because like, I'm not going to be able you know, so there are, there are cases where a hybrid model makes sense. There are cases where vendor central makes sense, where it doesn't make sense. Uh, you know, if you have, you know, a, a food item that has crazy distribution and there's millions of resellers and, you know, if you do vendor central, it's going to lower the price point below your resellers. And, you know, there's, there's different. Yep. Yep. You know, every yeah, for, again, different big items and very yeah. cheap items are some things that, you know, vendor could do very well on. Uh, because Amazon, they don't care about a loss, right? Yeah. They have the loss leaders, right? That's a, that's a term in retail. They have leaders that are going to, you're going to lose money, but they're going to bring traffic. And so Amazon is still operating on that sort of mentality. So they'll lose items. Like I've seen some items. I mean, they'll sell this waffle maker or something for like nine bucks. And you're like, dude, shipping alone is like six fifty. Yeah. And then your referral fee, like you're getting less than a dollar payout if you're a seller. But they're yeah. doing it on vendor, and Amazon's probably buying that item for let's say five dollars, right? Yeah. But on seller, you'll get one. So that you know, it's it's there are some items like that where Amazon makes it 
uh, disproportionately advantageous for vendors, but I believe their idea is that they're driving traffic to Amazon because that item is such a hero, right? If you look at the top mattresses for sale, the top 10 mattresses, uh, like just search best-selling mattress Amazon on Google, uh, you'll go to that page. Out of the top 10, nine of them are vendor. One of them is seller. And I think the seller is just they're losing money to try to get on vendor, right? Like yeah. at the top, the top 50, I want to say there's about five sellers, right? It's just crazy. They're all vendor because to ship a mattress, you know, on your own through UPS, FedEx, whatever, you're going to spend like $100 and these mattresses are being sold for like $120. So what, like, it's crazy. Well, Aaron, I tell you what, I've really appreciated having you on. And um, like I said, everybody start thinking AI, Aaron Intelligence. And <laughs> uh, so anyway, um, so if anybody wants to contact you or network with you, Aaron, I mean, what, what's the best place for them to follow you? I think just on social, I think my strongest is LinkedIn, but honestly, LinkedIn, Instagram, even I'm on TikTok now. Like I don't use TikTok myself, but I'm pushing out content on TikTok. So Aaron Cordova is to search it. Uh, if you want, actually, I got a great podcast with Isaiah. Check out my podcast. Aaron, just search Aaron Cordova and Isaiah and yeah. uh, you'll find out the podcast. You know, follow my podcast. I put an episode every week right now. And uh, yeah, I mean, realistically, look, I like for people to be creative and expand and bring creative imaginative forward-thinking ideas to e-commerce because yeah. we're in a world we're in a consumer world where we have so many products right like at any <laughs> moment we have so much stuff to watch the ring the blah the shirt the headphones this microphone there's so much stuff we use on a daily basis to have our lives and realize each person created a brand that was worth it to change our lives and hopefully improve it right most of the stuff here we believe it improves our lives and that's why we buy it and so i think if more people get into the industry of creating brands and brands that matter then it gives you more things to buy dude i'm out of things to buy i have too much money like i i, I can't i can't <laughs> like what the hell am i gonna buy like the, the only thing that's left on my list is like a plane okay yeah, that's it yeah, yeah. I, I i i don't i like there's not enough things that like drive me to to buy i, I got the aura ring you know i got whatever mattress like so the point is there's a, a level of customer that it's not about the money and it's about what are you gonna do that's going to do something useful or valuable for that person. Right. And I can do a list, a huge amount of products, but that's where we got to be thinking about like, dude, how could you actually change somebody's life with a physical product? And that's what, you know, instant pot did, right? That's what they had a, such a massive success in sales because it was a whole new kitchen item that changed the way people did cooking, right? The yeah. frothers, we've had a massive success. Now you go to anybody's house, almost everybody has a frother, right? And a bunch of them have Zulai frothers, because we brought that into prominence, right? There's people on the radio talking about it. But now, like, no, you don't mix your protein shake with, like, a blender bottle. That's, like, clunky. It takes a lot of cleaning. You just take out your father. Boom! You mix it. Okay. You're <laughs> yeah. going to make some some foam. You're not just going to put milk in your coffee. You're going to foam it up and put it in there. Okay? You, whatever it is. So it, it changes experiences. And when you're doing that, we're, we're elevating our experiences, you know, as society. And that's our job, really, as entrepreneurs is have a vision of something that could be a little bit better. Find a hole or find an opportunity where you can bring some value. And that's really how you succeed both on Amazon and in life. Like, why are yeah. we here, right? Like, that's, a, that's an existential question. But if your life doesn't change anybody else's life for the better, um, well, then you answer your question. What, what, what are you here for? Because I, I, I don't know. For me, we're here to make somebody's life better, right? And, and if we're doing that through a business, then then our business is part of our, our goal and our purpose. And it's helping us move forward with why we're here. And if it's not, then I don't know what it's doing.
Yeah, my motto, and I have it on LinkedIn, is eternal life is living for others. Boom. There you go. And you can't, uh, it'll, it'll never stop. If you just continue to give to others, it, it just it just keeps going. So I really appreciate it. What an awesome note to, to end this on, Aaron. And um, I just, I recommend everyone to follow Aaron. He's been such an awesome guy and mentor to me. And uh, I just, I just know he's, he's trying to grow, uh, grow and, and to mentor even more people and, and with his, with his uh, podcast and videos and everything that he's doing and just, just definitely reach out to him, uh, give him a follow and, and a thumbs up. So thanks. Right. Isaiah.